Hey guys, thanks again for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. We're a Canadian-based podcast telling the many stories of the leaders and organizations encompassing cannabis legalization. Before we start, I just want to make a quick shout out to our sponsors. Firstly, Harvest Medicine. They're a patient-centric clinic which offers free medical assessments for people looking to explore how medical cannabis can help improve their lives. To learn more and to book your free consultation with Harvest Medicine, visit hmed.ca. That's H med.ca. And as always, this podcast was produced by My Podcast Pal. For help with your podcast, check out mypodcastpal.com. And hey, if you have a business and would like to reach all of the people who listen to Canadian Cannabis Update podcast, reach out to me on Twitter at CanCanUpdate. That's at C-A-N-C-A-N-N Update. Or just check out the website, CannabisUpdate.ca. There's no shortage of interesting ideas when it comes to doing business in the cannabis space. Like Walt Disney once said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Today's interview features Green Relief's CEO and co-founder Warren Bravo. Now I'll let Warren tell you exactly what Green Relief does, but it's another example of some of the amazing innovation taking place in this new business framework. Enjoy. We're here today with uh, Warren Bravo, who is the co-founder and CEO of Green Relief. Welcome, Warren. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Um, let's start off real simple. Who is Warren Bravo? Uh, Warren Bravo is a is a uh, yeah third three generation third generation concrete floor contractor uh, now cannabis entrepreneur CEO and co-founder of Green Relief, and uh, I am uh, you know uh, serious about uh, adding some uh, sustainability and. Uh, uh, corporate conscience uh, to an industry that I think is probably a little soulless out there uh, these days. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, let's start off by um, finding out a bit more about who you are as a person. Tell us something about yourself that has nothing to do with your work. Well, I, I, I unfortunately uh, these days work work is my life. Uh, listen, I'm I'm uh, I'm a nose of the grindstone uh, uh, guy. I'm, you know, I put uh, way too many hours at uh, at work a week, but. I do uh, play a little blues guitar. I'm not good at it, but I enjoy it, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of relaxing for me. I uh, I try to work out as as at least three times a week, if not more. Uh, although it doesn't look like it when you see me, uh, <laughs> I am in uh, reasonable shape, and uh, you know I'm trying to find out that you know I'm trying to trying to get that balance between work and work and personal life in a in a, in a startup in a in a new business where uh, as you know the the industry is moving at such a rapid pace, uh, trying to keep up with everything and. Uh, advancing the you know partnerships all over the world and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun things happening. So you know the, my 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 work is is enjoyment. It's not you know I smile every day when I come to the office. So uh, I I'm, I melt both worlds together pretty well. But uh, you know family is extremely important to me and uh, my wife, my kids, and and uh, spending as much time with them and and uh, just uh, as I said uh, you know trying to trying to achieve that balance in life. Nice. Well, life is all about having passion, right? And if you can somehow incorporate your working life into something that you can do passionately, then I think you've discovered the secret of life, all money aside. Well, I don't know if you can ever, ever discover it. I don't know if you can ever get there, but you know, it's, it's one of those, one of those goals you're always uh, kind of reaching for. I don't think mm-hmm. anything's ever perfect, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, okay. So walk us through the story of Green Relief. How did you get here where you are now? Well, Back in, uh, I'm going to say about 2010, 2011, uh, my wife, Lynn, uh, landscape architect, uh, very successful, uh, uh, loves working with people who loves their gardens. She, she is the uh, tree hugger of the family uh, where I was the, I'm the capitalist. And so 
you know, we uh, work together very well and uh, have great conversations on, uh, you know, what we're going to do with the with the 50-acre farm that we just purchased. And this was going to be my retirement, and I was just going to put up some greenhouses with some <laughs> ebb and flow concrete floors and some yeah. greenhouses. So this technology we learned in, in Holland uh, a few decades ago and, and went to Holland and, and saw all these plants growing on concrete floors. And our company adopted this methodology and technology and started pouring these floors all throughout North America. So okay. uh, that was going to be my retirement, a little, uh, you know, uh, hobby farm uh, vegetable production facility and maybe sell farm gate. Uh, Lynn, at the same time, had been uh, going to attending some of these seminars that the federal government uh, agriculture minister had been putting on on aquaponics. Okay. So aquaponics, uh, she, her, her uh, uh, desire for, uh, you know, use, sustainable uh, farming has always been something that she's been interested in. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, we took this aquaponics and, and once she kind of started telling me about it and it kind of sold me on that methodology for growing and I was going to adopt that again into, into a little greenhouse actually attached to our house, uh, for vegetable production for our family and, and immediate family members, uh, for, for, you know, veggies all year round. And mm-hmm. what started as that little mini system turned into Green Relief Now, uh, the world's largest, uh, commercial uh, production of uh, of cannabis uh, using uh, aquaponic methodology. So it kind of uh, started started as a small idea, and here we are today. And and taking uh, years to figure out how to grow cannabis uh, aquaponically has been our challenge, and now uh, our success. Okay, so let's let's assume that there may be some people listening to this who may not be totally clear about green relief and what makes you guys different. As you said, you guys use technology called aquaponics. So essentially, you grow cannabis out of tanks that have fish in them. Is that correct? So, yeah. So, so aqua, aquaponics is a closed-loop uh, recirculating ecosystem. So it's a, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship between water, fish, and plants. Now, I have, the fish are not in the tanks, where, or not in the rafts where the plants are growing, but those fish are fed and they're kept in the separate tanks where we feed those fish three times a day. Those oh. fish create uh, solid waste, uh, fish manure, we'll just call it. Mm-hmm. As the water passes from our fish tanks into our clarifying tanks, the mineralizing tanks, bioreactor, off-gas tanks, all of these different tanks where water flows basically from one to the next to the next, mm-hmm. uh, eventually going through our growing rafts. By the time that, that manure is passed through those, those uh, tanks uh, and into the growing rafts, it's converted into nitrates and NPK. Okay. Uh, nitrates, uh, phosphorus, and potassium for our plants. So all of the fertilizer that we use for our plants is produced by the fish, and it's uh, it's just a, it's the same ecosystem as any freshwater lake where you see uh, 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 bulrushes and lily pads growing. The, the aquaculture, the fish that live in that body of water, mm-hmm. are fertilizing those plants as well. So we've just made a scalable ecosystem. Uh, and then uh, figured out how to grow cannabis in it. That's that's the reality of aquaponics. Now, is anyone else doing this in Canada large scale, even if, if they're growing a, another type of plant or product? Are aquaponics, uh, is that technology common? Well, yeah, a- aquaponics has been around for millennia. It's, it's nothing, it's not new science. Uh, the, the Aztecs uh, used to use aquaponics, used to put uh, uh, plants on rafts and fish ponds. So mm-hmm. so the, the technology is not new. Uh, uh, what is new is getting cannabis to grow uh, in an aquaponic system. Mm-hmm. You know, cannabis is a very fast-growing plant with very specific nutrient demands and how to manipulate an ecosystem naturally to be able to, say, bump up the phosphorus or potassium at the, at the specific times the plants need it, mm-hmm. uh, when, depending on their phase of growth. Uh, that was the trick and the challenge when uh, we figured it out. So uh, nobody, uh, you, uh, let me, uh, we were laughed at. 
uh, to tell you the truth, when when we did our North American tour, my business partner and I uh, going around all the growers and asking mm-hmm. them, you know, what their challenges were and if they could do it again, start again, what would they do differently? We got through all of that, but when they asked us, what, you know, how we were growing, and we said aquaponics is going to be our growing method, you know, mm-hmm. they said, well, that can't be done. You can't grow cannabis aquaponically. It's uh, it's a too fast a growing plant, and all these nutrients are needed to specific phases of growth, and yeah. and you can't uh, manipulate an ecosystem to do that. And we've proven them wrong, uh, but it's it's cost us a lot of time and and hundreds of thousands of dollars to to achieve where we are today. And to my best of my knowledge, like nobody's growing on the scale we are. That's that's for sure. But I know that I think there's a company out in Nova Scotia called Aqualitas. I think they're uh, experimenting. Right. <clears throat> I don't think they have a full system yet for cannabis production, but they're experimenting, and I'm I know they're having some issues with their excess fish solids and some other things that, that are going on that are natural to uh, aquaponic systems. Okay. And there's a company in the West as well, I think, that are uh, doing some small-scale uh, uh, R&D on aquaponics as well. So, oh. I, I, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we are uh, we are the guys uh, up front and center with, uh, with uh, higher commercial values uh, to our production system. Well, definitely leaders uh, in the <clears throat> cannabis space, I suppose, for aquaponics. Yeah, well, uh, vegetable production has been something that's been been done in, in North America wide for for you know for a very long time. Like mm-hmm. I said, we're not reinventing the wheel by doing this. It's just trying to grow a specific plant aquaponically has been our challenge. Okay, um, tell me, and it, of course, I know nothing about aquaponics. Um, can you grow cannabis using this technology at a competitive rate? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the the advantages to, to aquaponics are you know not only are we getting the the uh, you know the same water, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the same water could be in my system for years. It, you know it'll, it'll eventually replace itself with uh, with evaporation and plant transpiration. So you know I don't have any cost on on water. Very little uh, water is used to top up the systems monthly due to the evaporation. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, the big thing is the fertilizer costs. I don't uh, I don't have any. Uh, okay. fertilizer, uh, just because, uh, the fish provide the nutrients. And when I'm done with the fish, we, uh, we, uh, purge them in a, in a saltwater bath for five days. We chill them and then we donate them to, uh, a number of homeless shelters across the greater Toronto area. Mm-hmm. And after that, I get a tax receipt. Uh, the tax receipt uh, negates my cost for, uh, what would be fertilizer pays for all of the, you know, the fish food and the water testing and the people maintaining the fish systems, uh, all the added costs there would be to, uh, Using this method of growing, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm net zero from from that standpoint. So oh. you know, uh, fertilizing costs can be ten to thirty percent, depending on how you're doing it and oh. what kind of nutrients you're feeding your plants. And so we are already that have that competitive advantage uh, from a cost of goods standpoint. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, and also. Uh, because of our natural growing system, mm-hmm. the plants uh, uptake whatever nutrients they want in a day, uh, depending on their phase of growth, but they also transpire out all of those nutrients as well the same day because it's not like you're putting concentrated doses of commercial fertilizer on your plants. You're not getting that yeah. nitrate and mineral salt buildup in the flower, creating that harshness that everybody else has to flush out for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of their harvest, or the end of the, when they when they uh, are finished their grow grow their plants, we don't have to flush our plants. Our plants are very natural and clean the day we harvest. So we okay. you know we save two weeks to grow, as well as aquaponics is just a more prolific growing system than soil or hydroponics. So I get more not only a yield, uh, uh, I grow faster. I get more yield, and they're a cleaner plants. So there's a lot of benefits to it that we didn't know mm-hmm. back in the day when we started uh, started the system off. But right now, in the small facility that I'm growing in now, my 32,000 square feet, I only have about, 
uh, what do we have, about 4,500 square feet of growing raft, which is, you know, 4,500 pounds. Uh, we're at about $1.42 uh, per gram today. Oh, that's not bad at all. Um, does it matter what kind of fish you use for this? It, it does, uh, yes. Um, you want to match the aquaculture to the root temperature of the plant that you're growing. So okay. you're, we're using tilapia because tilapia like a 68-degree to 82-degree water temperature. Uh, the cannabis plant, uh, the root of the cannabis plant in, in our system likes uh, 70, 71 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And uh, allows us to grow all different varieties of, of cannabis and that and with that root temperature. So you want to match that aquaculture. Okay. But you know, uh, tilapia is is a great fish to grow. It's very hardy, dry, true, proven in a, in a farmed environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would like to maybe experiment with some uh, more, I'm going to say, more saleable fish to actually make us uh, revenue positive on the aquaculture side at some point. Yeah. And I think uh, experimenting with, uh, you know, barramundi is now allowed to be exported into Canada. Uh, freshwater prawns. You know, even koi. Uh, there's lots of different uh, types of aquaculture that'll lend itself well to cannabis production. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next building that we're uh, just started construction on on our property, uh, we will have a uh, an 8,000 square foot R and D facility for aquaculture in that in that building. Wow. You see, if I were you, I would be doing salmon, <laughs> but you'd have to have colder water, I think. And, uh, and can you imagine all the salmon so you could eat? <laughs> yeah, well, tr- uh, trout. Uh, there's a lot, you know, so a lot of bass, uh, but they all like colder water. Perch, mm-hmm. another one. Mm-hmm. They, they a lot of them like colder water. So, and not all of them raise well in farmed environments either. They're not as hardy. Uh, mm-hmm. So you really have to be careful because. Uh, there's a, you know, once, once you're in a farmed environment, your, your, your fish are more disposed, uh, uh, more, uh, uh, exposed to potential, uh, pathogens and, and other things. And if you don't have hardy stock, then you're just going to have big problems. So okay. that's why the R&D portion is going to be necessary with different aquaculture to figure out what works well. And, uh, salmon's, uh, you know, something I would love to do. And, and, uh, it's, it's in the cards for some experimentation for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the salmon right now. Okay, so yeah, uh, <laughs> exclusive, exclusive to your facility then, do you actually have to have people on staff dedicated to caring for the fish alone? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, and as we expand, because uh, there are no there are no tools out there in the world that tell you how to grow aquaponically, YouTube and, mm-hmm. and books and whatnot, uh, they don't tell you how to grow cannabis aquaponically. And since we've had to figure it out, we've had to train our aquaponic staff, oh. and not just for this facility, but for our satellite facilities. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're talking to uh, potentially up in uh, Thunder Bay and Halifax, northern Alberta. California. Uh, we just bought a building in Adelaide, Australia. Okay. All of these places and all the people that are going to be working with the uh, Green Relief team for growing uh, this product, they're going to have to be trained. So we're going to have to do all of the training in-house. So right now I am overstaffed, I'm going to say, for the facility that I have now, uh, just getting uh, preparing for those uh, satellite models to uh, get up and running and then sending our people out for uh, training on these different sites and starting the systems and, and all the things you need to do with aquaponics. So, mm. yeah, it's, uh, training is a, is a big part of it, uh, absolutely. And, and having a, a staff that uh, is on our program and knowing what we do, because you know, we've developed IP to grow uh, cannabis uh, effectively and, and quickly and cleanly and, and high-yielding and all that. Uh, and all of that IP has to be transferred out to uh, all these uh, all these other uh, growing operations. Okay, dumb question. Is there a potential, if you're not careful, that your cannabis products could taste or smell of fish? 
so uh, I equate that this way: if uh, if if that was it, it, it's physiologically impossible for an animal uh, pathogen to be passed on to a vegetable, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, vice versa. Okay, but we're, but we're going to say that if that was the case, then every cob of corn you've ever grown that's been fe- uh, that you've ever eaten that's been field grown should taste like cow manure or some type of manure, right. and it right. and it doesn't. All so right. you can it, it, so uh, listen. Uh, a lot of people have been trying to discredit what we're doing here, is saying that it's you know we we can't be achieving this, and and uh, you know your your cannabis tastes like fish, and mm-hmm. it it doesn't happen. But you know people if they want to say something negative, they're just going to make up things, and that's one of the things they make up. But absolutely not. Our our market acceptance for our product is off the charts, and we're getting anywhere from fifty to hundred new patients every single day at okay. our facility now. And uh, people love, especially our cannabis oils. And what you'll find with the, with an aquaponically grown cannabis plant is that because I don't have that buildup of nitrates and, and mineral salts in the in the flower to transpire out during the flushing mm-hmm. stage, we have a very uh, it's an ultra smooth product uh, when you when you consume it traditionally used by smoking. Uh, but in the oils, that smoothness, all of those factors come into play when you taste our products. People like the 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 smooth taste of our of all of our products, oils and dried cannabis. So we're very very happy about that. Again, we didn't know that would be the end result, but but it, it actually is, and, and people uh, uh, accept that. You can go on any of the uh, popular uh, uh, review sites and, and check that out for yourself. Okay, and so th- since the fish are um, growing and living in their own tanks, independent of where the cannabis is actually growing, uh, it doesn't really matter if, say, a fish dies in one of your tanks. You just remove it and... The, the yeah, well, we have continues. a we have a very good you know you're going to because of, you know fish fish do do die you get you know some fish bloated in a, in a in a tank and we use 800 gallon tanks in our facility here yeah you know with a very specific stocking density it's survival of the fittest these guys you know when you feed them uh, you know very uh, regimented three three times daily you know the strong fish will get the food and the weaker ones won't it's just uh, mm-hmm. it's the natural culling uh, you know it's mother nature. Uh, uh, dealing with uh, with culling the herd and, and and making sure that they're strong and and viable uh, you know livestock in our systems, uh, but we don't have a lot of loss. Uh, you know, it's very rare to see a fish that uh, would die in our system or would be floating when you go in the next morning. Okay. Uh, we get a little bit of loss when we bring the the small tilapia fry in the half a gram, the twenty grams. That's where you get most of your losses. I think we're about three percent is the average, but that's kind of normal in any uh, farmed fish environment. Those mm-hmm. those fry, those baby fish, they're the most temperamental. After you get through that stage, your losses are are very very minimal. Okay, is there any particular strain of cannabis that you found uh, responds better to this form of growing, or does it not really matter? Uh, I'll say I'll take it the other way and say which one responds the 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 least uh, and. Okay. Uh, that's our. That's uh, we we found uh, you know a particular strain, uh, and this is is our bubble kush. Uh, does not grow well. It's it's really accepted. People love our bubble kush, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not a prolific grower in our system. And I don't know if that's a natural trait to that product or not. I don't know if there's any you know maybe you get some feedback at the end of the show at some point or. Uh, with comments, but uh, yeah, our, our bubble kush. But everything else is is extremely pro- prolific. We're you know we average uh, you know uh, minimum of fifty grams uh, per harvest, and we're getting six harvests per year uh, in our system, and and some up to up to plus uh, above seventy grams dried uh, per per uh, six and a half week flowering cycle. Wow! So you know we're getting a six. You know we're getting a fairly substantial grow. Everything grows very well aquaponically, and that was our one of our earlier challenges. That we tried to 
uh, you know, we didn't know if we had to pick out strains that wanted that grew better in deep water culture, or whether we had to have strains that were better geared to hydroponics or mm-hmm. soil. We didn't know what would grow better in aquaponics uh, when we first started. And that was all trial and error. But we found now that we can grow anything aquaponically, and, and uh, uh, they all they all produce uh, they all maximize uh, on their yields, uh, no no problem. Okay, um, I was looking at your website, and I noticed that you don't actually sell anything for the rec market. Is there any reason for that? Yes, there is. There's, there's, uh, so, so Green Relief, and, and we've established, uh, we, you know, we've established, uh, as I say, socially responsible. We, we, uh, a company, we, we are here to help people. Uh, we've, uh, we decided a long, long time ago that we want to stay in the medical lines because I think, uh, there's a, uh, you know, helping people with the medicinal value of this plant is a big priority for us and, mm-hmm. and exploring those different cannabinoids and cannabinoid, uh, profiles and, and raw fractions in oil form and, blended medicines and that type of thing and advancing the uh, quality of life, I think, is, is truly important. I think that's what this product is going to uh, be able to help with on a, on, a, on a kind of a global scale, get people off opioids and, and, and harsher, uh, you know, manufactured pharmaceuticals and, and uh, use them, you know, get back some uh, plant-based medicines. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big value in that. Uh, and I think longer term, I think we'll just monetize I, I'm not interested in wholesaling my product. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've come too far and we're doing something unique and we're, we're kind of the differentiator in the industry by using our methodology. And, and I think uh, because we have such a clean plant, it just lends itself really well to medicine. Mm. And I think uh, we're, we're happy to stay in the, in the, in the medicine, uh, the, med- the world of medical. So okay. uh, that's, that's where we're at. You also sell um, a variety of what looks like high-end vaporizers on your website. Is that also to service the uh, medical marijuana clientele base that you have? Yeah, so anybody where just it's more value added. If people uh, are unfamiliar with uh, with how to consume, you know, first time uh, clients, patients, uh, we uh, you know we try to help them with uh, with uh, some of the ways that you can consume the product and what's most effective. As you know, doctors don't know and aren't telling you how to consume it. They're saying mm-hmm. here's a uh, gram a day prescription and you know, knock yourself out. Uh, they, you know, so it's, it's more personal preference and everybody's physiology is different. So how you consume it and what works better for you. Some may want to use dry in a vaporizer. Some might want to use a pen. Uh, some may just, you know, want to use a, the oil and go sublingual. There's lots of different ways of doing it, but it works, whatever works best for your physiology. And we promote, you know, trying different ways, especially if you're a new user to, uh, find out what works best for you. Okay. Uh, because, uh, you know, there, again, if you and I had a, a migraine and we were both prescribed an oxycodone, you might be a five milligram user to get the same effects as I would at 20 milligrams. Mm-hmm. So we're all different. And, and I think you have to have the different strains and different delivery methods to uh, be able to compensate for those uh, physiologies. Right. Is Green Relief public? We are going public. Yes. We uh, we're right now we're finalizing our prospectus. Uh, we're doing a a, uh, a a non submitting a non offering prospectus uh, uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks for a private placement that we're doing uh, prior to our IPO, which should be end of January, early February. Nice. I'm rubbing my hands together right now. You can't see that, but oh, okay. well, <laughs> so you're uh, expecting yeah, well, an IPO we're, we're, Jan we're Feb. As excited as you are, so it's all all good. Cool. Um, how can we find out more about Green Relief or yourself personally, especially if somebody's interested in investing? Well, uh, certainly our, our website. Uh, you know, our, our uh, we're we're using uh, uh, our uh, private banker, our, our people on on Bay Street, Integral Wealth. Uh, uh, John is the uh, is our main contact, uh, the managing director there. 
they can certainly reach out to John and get involved with our private placement uh, now. Uh, we're doing a $45 million raise currently uh, on, the, on, the private, uh, on the private side before our IPO. comes kind of with a special uh, half-warrant half uh, kicker kind of thing to, mm-hmm. as an incentive. And, uh, yeah, and then, then the, uh, you know, as, uh, all the information they need from, uh, you know, for pitch decks or uh, anything else, uh, corporate information they can get from John, but, you know, they can reach out to Jim Redden, our COO, who's also, uh, involved with, uh, you know, with the raising portion of our business and, uh, reach out to me anytime as well. You can get me on my email at wbravo at greenrelief.ca. Uh, go to our website, you can get our mainline phone number and, we're all on the extension, so myself, uh, Jim Redden, my business partner, Steve LeBlanc, we're happy to answer uh, any questions uh, you may have from the investment or any other questions you may have non-investment. Cool. Uh, and lastly, I want to ask you about tilapia. Now, I'm thinking that's an African origin fish, right? Correct. Nile, Nile fish, you got it. Like a warm water fish. So I'm thinking that if you're going to pair it with wine, it'd be a Pinot Grigio, Gravertsine <laughs> or something like that, right? <laughs> I would uh, I would guess that's uh, probably true. Okay. Uh, I don't usually pair it with wine. I just eat it. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but but you're 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 probably correct. That would be a that would be a great guess and a great start. Okay. And if uh, it'd be nice to actually find out, uh, I'll uh, I'll look into that a little bit That'd next time guess. we chat. I'll have that answer for you. All right. And because edibles uh, won't technically be legal until 2019, the next time I talk to you, I'm going to ask you about pairing it with cannabis as well. Okay. Well, that's, uh, uh, I'll I'll have the info, and I promise to uh, give you some uh, a very fulsome answer at that point. <laughs> Thanks so much, Warren. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael. Great, uh, great uh, talking to you, and I look forward to uh, speaking to you soon. All right. Thanks once again for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. If you have a story that you'd like to share about the cannabis space, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up at CanadianCannabisUpdate at gmail.com. And if you want to find out more about what we do, check us out on Twitter at CanCanUpdate. That's at C-A-N-C-A-N-N Update. Facebook, Instagram, and every podcast-related streaming site in the known universe. universe. The next podcast is just around the corner. Stay tuned. All right, hit it, Amber. Canadian Cannabis Update is a regularly published podcast. We do our very best to remain as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but take the time to research the details for yourself.